have an amazing night. Every night is amazing, but yeah, tonight's just the bomb. Um, before we uh, introduce our, our guest speaker, um, I want to invite uh, Rebecca So to come up forward. Let's give it up for Rebecca. Yeah, and so uh, Rebecca's going to share just a quick, like, five-minute, four-minute testimony. Um, but today we went on our second uh, treasure hunt. And for those of you guys who don't know what a treasure hunt is, it's just a really fun way to just hit the streets and to evangelize, share the word of God, see God heal people. It's just amazing. And so the first time we went, it was actually just me, Rona, and, uh, and Rebecca. It was just the three of us. But, um, yeah, Rebecca had such an amazing time. I remember just the whole day. She was like, wow, this is fun, you know. And, uh, yeah, just partnering with God is so much fun. And so, uh, yeah, let's give it up for Rebecca. Hi, guys. <laughs> um, yeah, so the last time I went on a treasure hunt with Andy and Rona, it was so much fun. And I was just like, why? I used to think that evangelism was kind of something that was, like, scary, but it's actually a lot of fun. And I, the whole time I was just like, oh, snap. Like, I can't believe that just happened. Like, that was on our list. Let me just cross that out. Like, it was just so amazing. So um, I was really excited to come out again. You know, I woke up really early, and sleep is really important for me. But I was just like, yeah, I want to experience that again. And um, I thought, honestly, today I thought, like, amazing, amazing things would happen. Like, there would be, like, miracles and healing. But actually, God showed me something different today. He showed me more about, like, intimacy. And that I actually wrote that on my list. So I was just like, that's pretty awesome. Um, today was just me, Rona, and Marie. And um, we just used that time, really, to just bless each other. And we, I mean, at first we went out to, like, kind of seek people and just find that treasure. But then um, we realized, actually, that um, that treasure was us. Because um, on our list, we put, like, the color, I put the color purple. Rona put the color light blue. And then, was it Rona's that? Yeah, she wrote light blue. And then she also wrote my name down. And then we looked at each other, and Rona was wearing purple, and Marie was wearing light blue. And we were just like, dude, we just got to chill and pray for each other and use this time to bless each other. And it was just, while we were praying for each other, it was just so awesome. Like, everything, like, we were saying for each other was so on point. And God was just like, yeah, like, I know your heart, and I know you guys want to go out and, like, find people. But, like, first, let me tell you, like, I just want to get intimate with you first. And just let you know that you guys are my daughters. And you guys, like, are my greatest treasure. And, you know, like, God just taught me a lot about waiting. And, like, yeah, like, I think the sermon on Sunday was just waiting for that miracle. And we just spent a lot of time waiting. And um, Rona had to go at, like, 1130. But, you know, what she, I told her, you know, Rona, you have to leave at 1130. But um, the treasure hunt doesn't end here at 1130. She was like, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. And I was like, cool, cool. <laughs> and so, like, yeah, she gave me all the lists. Yeah, we wrote it all down. And, you know, I just, like, I was like, I'm going to just stay out for, like, another two hours and just chill. And I actually ended up crossing a lot of things out on the list. Like, I saw a lot of people, like, um, that were on the list. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah, yeah. So, like, you guys can do this, too. Like, it's real easy. You just, like... You sit there and you listen to what God has to, like, tell you. And whatever comes on your mind, like, whatever the Spirit's telling you, you just write it down. So, for example, like, 
the color purple came to me, like orange dress. I actually had specific names of people that I wanted to pray for. And Andy was just talking about that earlier, like just specific students. Like I don't even know them, but I just wrote their names down. Um, and then like if you see, so I saw someone with the orange dress today. And God was just like, okay, go talk to her. So I just went to go talk to her and be like, you know, God loves you. Like, I hope, you know, you have a wonderful day. And she's just like, oh, thank you, you know? Like, it's, it's real easy. And um, <laughs> it's nothing hard, yeah. And so, like, um, she's, is her name? She's a right? She actually wrote down silver leather, and she wrote down shoes. And um, Rona wrote down bicycle. So I saw this guy with a bicycle, and he was just, like, you know, going off on his way. So I was like, all right, let me go talk to him. And then he just ran off. And I was like, oh. But then I looked down, and I see this, this guy wearing silver leather shoes, you know? And I'm just like, hey, wait, that's James. That's my friend. So, like, I go and talk to James, and, you know, he's just like, oh, let's go eat lunch. And I never really, like, hang out with James that much. But then, you know, we had lunch. And God was just really opening up, like, his heart to me. And we were just talking about God the whole time. And I was just encouraging him. And he was just encouraging me. And I was just like, man, James, you got to know who you are. And I was like, remember who you are, you know? Because, like, I just saw so much in James. And I was like, you know, God's been kind of highlighting me to, like, you to me from the beginning. And I was like, you know, you're really, like, intelligent. You're really powerful. And he was just like, nah, man, you don't even know me. And I was like, no. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> like, you're pretty awesome. So, like, yeah, just, like, stuff like that. And, like, I have something else to share, too, that's not really related to, like, the treasure hunt. But then, you know how Andy was up here and he was talking about, like, how do we need to open our rooms to prayer and stuff? Actually, this, like, um, past, what was it? Yesterday. It was yesterday. Yeah, it was actually yesterday. Um, We just, uh, me and, the, like, Tina's familiar. Like, we just got together, just like, sisters, and we just, like, sat in Marie's room, and we just prayed and just praised God for, like, two hours. And it felt like five minutes, and we just prayed for, basically, revival in Yonsei and basically, like, just reaching out to students. And that's why when he said that, I was just like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> really, God is just teaching me how there's just so much unity within us. Like, he gives us the same, like, thoughts. And we just, like, say it, and we're just like, wow. Like, it's pretty awesome. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> okay, hey, so I just want to just make a quick announcement then. So basically, yeah, what the treasure hunt is, is we gather together, we pray, we listen to God. He gives us clues. We go out, and we find the people. It's crazy. It's awesome. You got to just come experience it on your own. So basically, we will meet Tuesday, every Tuesday at 10 a.m. at the Caribou Cafe at SK Building. Please come next week. It'll be a blast. Okay. Yeah, so that's our evangelism um, team director, him and our sister Rona, have been doing that on their own as well. And they just want to invite you. So if you listen to the testimony and you're like, what just happened? Or what's going on or what does that mean or what does that look like? I really want to encourage you guys just to join. And I think the one thing that you'll learn is it's actually a lot easier than you think. <laughs> that evangelism is actually, one, a lot easier in the sense that you're more prepared than you think you are. And um, so I really want to encourage you guys to go out. It's, I'm sure it's going to be amazing. We're expecting to hear more testimonies come out as well. And so I'm just so glad you guys got to 
be a part of that. So for sure, check that out. Um, but tonight we have a guest speaker. Oh my goodness, I am so excited. Seriously? I mean, we are really blessed to have some cool people come and share with you guys, but I mean, this particular person is quite the busy person. Um, and really, it's just God's favor that we have, um, yeah, have him here tonight. I'm just so excited for you guys. Um, some of you may have heard a church called Onity. I don't know if you've heard it or not. It's kind of like a small, tiny little. No, I mean, it's an amazing, amazing church, amazing family. we got a couple of OEMers in the house. Come on. Hey. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, just the, the lead pastor of OEM. Um, Pastor Eddie is in the house, and he's here to share a word. And some of you guys have the luxury of hearing him every week. But I know for some of you guys, it's going to be your first time. And I'm really, uh, I know that you guys are going to be so blessed. So let's just give a warm welcome to Pastor Eddie. You know, as she was uh, saying all this stuff, I was like, did she book two people? Who's, the, uh, who's, who's, who's that person that she's talking about? But uh, I'm thankful for her very gracious and uh, slightly exaggerated introduction. But, um, but I love uh, Aaron and Pastor Christian too so much. And uh, yeah, I know there's probably a lot of New Philly in the house. And uh, yeah, pretty much OEM New Philly, we're fa- we feel like we're not just spiritual family, but a physical family. So um, um, it is an honor for me to be here. Uh, whenever I do come, I love it because uh, I love the energy, I love the spirit, I love the heart that is in this place. Uh, and with that, uh, for those of you guys who uh, uh, don't know me, I just want to give a brief intro. Uh, my name's Eddie. I'm originally from Chicago, uh, and woohoo! Yeah, <laughs> thank you for one other person in Chicago. Um, and then uh, I went, graduated from University of Illinois, went to Regents. Uh, College of Vancouver. Uh, so I lived in Canada for three years uh, where I did my MDiv. Uh, after I graduated there, that's when I first came to Korea back in 98. I was pastoring, teaching at Handong University. Uh, started the English ministry there, was there for three years, got married to an amazingly, uh, one of the most amazing women uh, in the world. And then we moved to Sydney, Australia, where I pastored for about six and a half years, seven years. Uh, and then I came back to Korea, and it's been about three years. So um, even though I most of my life I was raised in the U.S., uh, I, it's been about 17, 18 years now that I've been outside of the U.S. Uh, God kept taking me all over the place when I kept thinking of going back to the U.S. But I love it. I, I love uh, just being where God wants me to be, and it's exciting. And you guys are definitely favored by God because God is doing an amazing thing in Korea right now. Uh, this is an amazing time in history to be in Korea. And so whether you're here for a semester or a longer season than that, uh, this is a great season to invest deep into God. It is a great time because God's favor of freedom and release of the giftings, anointing, is so abundant in this nation right now. And it is clear that God wants to do something special. So because God has sent you here right now, it is because God wants to equip you for something special in your life, in your generation, that will impact future generations. Amen. Right, that, that wasn't even part of my message. But let's pray and let's uh, ask the Lord to come and speak to us tonight. God is here and he desires to speak to you and also to work through you. So let's uh, open up our hearts and ask the Lord God speak to me right now. And also, if you could please lift up a prayer for me that God would just use me to be his vessel, his instrument, his mouthpiece uh, to bring change in this place tonight. Let's pray together.
Jesus, we exalt you in this place tonight. You are Lord over Yonsei. You are Lord over Korea. You are Lord over North Korea. And God, we exalt the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, in this place. And Jesus, we desire for you to be our pursuits and our treasure. And Father, we thank you for the testimony that we heard from that beautiful sister, that beautiful child of yours. And we thank you for the work that you are doing in this place and in the lives of the people in this room. And God, we declare together that Yonsei was founded upon the rock of Jesus. And we declare that the enemy cannot steal that foundation. And so, Lord, we claim this school for you again and declare that this will be revived and refocused on its initial purpose. And that is to train, equip, and disciple radically sold out people of Jesus Christ. And we reclaim this purpose right now in Jesus' name. That even though these classmates and even some of these professors do not understand the purpose of the school, you, Holy Spirit, would empower them and release the purposes and prayers that founded this great school years ago and bring it back into the light of this nation to be a light, a city on a hill drawing the nations back to you. And Father God, we thank you for the fire that you are lighting in this fellowship of Emmaus. We thank you that this will be a flame that will become contagious. And as was shared, Lord, that these dorm rooms, these apartments would also burn a flame with a passion for the name of Jesus. And God, we declare that this will be only the beginning that when these students go back to their home countries, cities, churches, that those places as well, we believe, God, will be revived as well, God. So, Father, ignite this place tonight. Ignite our hearts with a burning passion for your name. And just as this name was taken from your word on the road to Emmaus, as the hearts of those disciples burned because of your word, we pray for a burning in our hearts to happen tonight because of you and because of your word. Raise up your army in this place because the victory has already been won at the cross and we simply claim the victory of Jesus Christ even tonight. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs> That's why I love coming here. But, uh, we'll begin, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a little bit of a heavy note that I start with, so. But uh, I want to share a st- uh, story about a girl named Mindy. She was only 10 years old. Uh, Mindy was the youngest child out of six children, uh, born and raised in Thailand. And uh, even though she was only 10 years old, she knew that it was her Thai duty to provide for her family. Uh, with no jobs in her village, Uh, she accepted a waitress job that was offered through her uncle's friend that her uncle introduced her to. It was in the U.S. She was excited about. She's never even had a passport before. I mean, she's never even traveled on an airplane. And so she was giddy with excitement. And so her uncle uh, provided a passport. She got on the plane. She told him about the name of the person who would meet her when she arrived in LAX in Los Angeles. 
So she arrived. She was excited throughout the whole plane. She kept looking at all the, the new stamps on her passport. She was giddy with excitement. She arrived into LAX, and with nervousness and excitement, there was a man uh, that met her at the airport. He smiled. He uh, also you know, told her, don't worry, and I'll take care of you. And, uh, but he also said, let me keep your passport for safekeeping because it's such an important document. So he kept it with himself. Uh, but after two days of working in this restaurant, uh, this boss of hers uh, threw some new clothes at her, which were a bit skimpy and adult-like for her taste. And even though she was uncomfortable with it, uh, you know, she felt pressure from her boss to do it, but she just couldn't. And she told her, I, I'm not comfortable wearing this. But suddenly her boss's demeanor radically changed from being nice to being very angry and aggressive. But as she kept refusing, finally the boss violated her and forced her to wear these clothes that only she thought adults should wear. And suddenly as a young 10-year-old girl, she began a new job of entertaining men. Uh, This happened for two years. And she's never... From that time period, she's never been able to explore the U.S. She's only known the inside of hotel rooms. And with that, she's only been able to watch TVs in between customers. Every three days, she would rotate to a new hotel in a new city. And she's never been able to contact her family since. Now, I wish this was a rare story, but it's not. This is happening in San Francisco, This is happening in Singapore. This is happening in Seoul, South Korea. This is the reality of human trafficking today. But thankfully for Mindy, a tip led an undercover officer to get into this ring that she was involved in, and this cop was able to jail her captor and set Mindy free. But sadly, there are still many more Mindy's that are still enslaved, even in our city and even in the city that you grew up in today. And so what I want to look at today is the issue of human trafficking, but not just because it is a social issue. We want to look at what the proper response and role of the church needs to be against this injustice. All right. So what is human trafficking? Uh, Well, it is defined as this. Human trafficking is defined as the recruitments, the harboring or the keeping, the transporting, providing, or obtaining of any person for forced labor, slavery, or servitude in any industry, including agriculture, construction, prostitution, and manufacturing. But the more question for us that we will address is what are we to do about this problem? And we will look at Psalm chapter 10 today. So if you have your Bibles, open it up there. And it will, it seems as if this passage was written specifically for this issue. So as you open up your Bibles to Psalm chapter 10, uh, we want to look at practical ways that we can respond in order to stop this traffic in our day and age. So, The first thing, also if you are taking notes, um, there are three main points that I want to outline today. And also, again, I want to give you some practical uh, elements uh, beyond the main points as well. The first thing we need to do in light of this uh, 
hideous injustice in our day and age is we need to learn to turn to the Lord and vent. So everybody repeat, turn to the Lord and vent. Okay, so what is the proper Christian response to this grave injustice of trafficking today? Is we must first turn to the Lord, uh, not turn to the newspaper, not turn to congressmen's, whatever. We turn to the Lord first, and we need to vent. Like me, you may have thought that slavery ended, that modern that slavery in our day and age ended a long time ago. Uh, you may have thought like me, like in, back in 1833 when the British Parliament passed the Slavery Abolition Act. Or, for all of you Americans out there, you may have thought it ended in 1865 when the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution declared slavery to be illegal. And so you may have, yeah, you know, that, that's when it ended a long time ago. But currently, there are more people enslaved today than at any other time in human history. A common number that gets thrown around in a lot of agencies today is uh, 27 to 30 million. That there are possibly 27 to 30 million people enslaved today with, even in the U.S., over 100,000 people enslaved. Now, uh, that's the most common number that has been used. But recently, uh, IJM, which is a a Christian law firm that battles this issue, they recently had a conference Uh, just a few weeks ago, and their research found that just in India alone are 30 million slaves. And so what that tells us is this number is probably at least 100 million right now. And we'll unpack this a little bit more. So possibly 100,000 just in the U.S. Of those trafficked, 80% are female. 50% are children. Some have been discovered as young as five years old. Most are between the ages of eight and 18. And this is a hideous thing that I just discovered, is that some are even trafficked and bought before they are born. Now, um, 80 to 90% of the Thai women and children who are in the sex industry within Thailand, they are from the northeast region of Thailand called Isan. And of those, there are tra- the traffickers, uh, they will go there because they are so impoverished, they are so suffering in poverty. Some traffickers will go there, find a mom, a woman pregnant. They will pay the mom, for example, like $10 a month to, care, to care, take care of their baby, to eat well. Again, the money is for food. Take care of the baby, and once your baby is born, give me your baby. And these moms will do it because of their extreme poverty. So there, some are trafficked even before they are born. And this is the crazy thing, too. What we have found um, through research right now, Korean women are the number two trafficked ethnic group into the United States. China is number one. I went to uh, San Francisco uh, about a month and a half ago, and I I went to this conference, uh, this training, trafficking training conference of how you can combat this issue, and I met with uh, two FBI special agents that are focused on this issue. And also I met with the, the head lieutenant who oversees trafficking issues for all of California, 
he's located in San Jose. There are believers. This was with believers and stuff. And so they came up to me afterwards because they knew I came from South Korea. And they were like, we've been looking for a South Korean connection for the past five to seven years. Because every time we do a bust in some of these parlors and brothels and stuff, most of the women we find are from South Korea. And for the past five to seven years, they've been looking for a contact to work with and partner with for the past five to seven years in Korea within the church, and they did not find one. And so that's why they're so happy to have this connection. Um, And the other trend that is happening is North Korean women, after they cross the border from North Korea to China, they are becoming the prime victims of trafficking now because they're so vulnerable. So these Chinese men and Korean Chinese men They find them. They know that they're vulnerable. And so instead of just marrying them off to make some money, they'll traffic them to keep a regular income coming. So you need to realize that this is an issue, again, in our backyard. And again, sadly, Thailand is uh, Southeast Asia, uh, but Thailand is a central hub. 800,000 girls are trafficked in Thailand to work bars are under the age of 16. 200,000 of them are under the age of 12. And the UN did a study. 70 to 80% of of men traveling alone into Thailand go there because of the sex industry. Now, what are the main purposes of why people are trafficked in the world today? There are four main reasons. Number one is for work. Bonded labor, debt labor. There's some reason why they've been forced into labor or they've been forced into debt and they're forced to work uh, in, you know, typically what you hear, hear of like sweatshop factories, you know, stuff like that. Number two reason is the sex industry. They're forced into prostitution, work in the bars, brothels. Number three reason why people are trafficked is for organs. In Eastern Europe, that is a big one. People will be drugged, kidnapped, and as they are drugged, they will have surgery to remove certain organs that these traffickers need. Number four reason people are trafficked, child soldiers. That is big in Africa, various parts of Africa to kill and do things, even like rape, that these adult men cannot make themselves do, they will brainwash these young boys to do that for them. So with these staggering statistics and stories, sometimes it looks like the wicked are getting away with evil and God seems distant. In those times, we learn from this psalmist that we must turn to the Lord and vent our frustrations to the Lord first. As your heart And it will continue throughout this message. Grow sick for some of you. Grow angry for some of you. And also grow impassioned like there must be something I can do. The first thing we must do is turn to the Lord and vent. All your anger, all your emotions, all your frustration, all your energy to do something, it begins on our knees and we vent to the Lord. Amen? And I get this from Psalm chapter 1 verse 10. Why, O Lord? Do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? So he is frustrated. He is looking at his circumstances. God, you seem so distant. He is learning to vent his frustrations and emotions to the Lord. That is a healthy release of unhealthy emotions. So this passage reads as if the psalmist is looking directly at the trafficking issues in our day. And in it, we see the pride of the evildoers in every thought and action. Verse 2 and 3. 
In arrogance, the wicked hotly pursue the poor. Let them be caught in the schemes that they have devised. For the wicked boasts of the desires of his soul, and the one greedy for gain curses and renounces the Lord. In pride, in the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. Okay, so he's making a a direct parallel. Pride means you don't pray. You don't seek the Lord. But in humility is the heart of one who seeks after the Lord, who turns to the Lord in prayer. And so in pride, in the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. And again, the parallel connection he is making there. If we do not seek God, if we are not praying to God, if we are not venting to the Lord, it is as if our life is saying there is no God. That is a practical life of an atheist. A prayerless life. So what lures many of these women and children is often poverty. 80% of those involved in the sex trafficking in Asia, as I mentioned, are from the northeast part of Thailand. Typical story goes like this. Parents are poor, and in Thai culture, the youngest girl is responsible to care for the family, unlike Korean culture where the oldest guy is. But also in Thai Buddhism specifically, they believe that if you have like a lot of kids, like five or more kids, and you surrender the youngest daughter into whatever servitude, that you will be even more blessed. So some of these parents, they even know what they're sending their daughters into. But they see in their belief system that they will be blessed financially if they do this. And so before you start thinking that it's only in Southeast Asia, it happens in Gangnam. These young women who get sucked into the materialistic lifestyle. Because Korea is dominated by image. You need to have the label. You got to carry the brand. You got to have this kind of purse with this kind of label on it. So a lot of these women, these young women, a lot of your classmates, because this time period, it's they know, and again, it's not stereotypical for this culture. Your peers, especially females, they're not here only to get an education. They know that this is the time period to find their future spouse. And in order to do that, they have to look a certain way. They have to dress a certain way. They have to have a certain brand in order to capture a certain financial level of people in society. But there's a problem. They don't have the money to buy the brands they want to buy. So they get credit cards. They get into debt. Not, not just like $5,000. I'm talking about $10,000, dollars $50,000 worth of debt. So there's a problem. They don't have the money paid off. So there are offices, and I kid you not, in Gangnam that will give these young ladies $50,000 on the spot with the condition of certain interests, with certain jobs that they have to fill, and these women are now enslaved. Because the moment they sign that con- they get that money, there is an immense interest that is accumulating on their bill that they, the traffickers know they cannot pay off. And so they are forced into this. And once they get violated all these things, now there's an added issue for Koreans. We know, if you know Korean culture, you know it's very shame-based. Now these pr- people are like, hey, you know what? We got pictures of you. We got customers. We know what you've done. You want us to tell your parents? You want us to, t- you want us to p- pl- put it on Yonsei News for you? Now they have that added chain 
for some of your classmates. And some of them, they are lured into jobs into the U.S., and this whole cycle begins. Also, they are bought, brought into the system through fraud, again, dreams of a better life. Some are forced by parents, husbands, even boyfriends. Others are kidnapped. And in all this evil, it appears that the ones in charge that they are prospering. They're making a lot of money off of this. Verses 5 and 6. His ways prosper at all times. Your judgments are on high. Out of his sight, as for all his foes, he puffs at them. He says in his heart, I shall not be moved throughout all generations. I shall not meet adversity. So he is boasting, and these traffickers are. They're thinking, I'm so wealthy. I'm so rich. I even have the cops in my back pocket, which they do. This is one of the fastest growing industries in the world if we do not do something about it now. It brings in roughly $10 billion a year. You see, in the 1800s, when slavery was legal, one, I guess, positive of that generation is they treated the slaves as valuable property. Because, you know, as if, if you were a farmer, your cow was valuable because it made you money. That's how they viewed human slavery back then, but not anymore. Because the abundance of people that are enslaved right now, but also because of how quickly people can be replaced thanks to modern day travel. So they're treated as cheap commodity. That is a huge negative for our day and age. Verse seven, his mouth is filled with cursing and deceit and oppression under his tongue are mischief and iniquity. He sits in ambush in the villages in hiding places, he murders the innocent. His eyes stealthily watch for the helpless. And again, this is reading like it's trafficking today because the most vulnerable places are in Southeast Asia, in Thailand, the Northeast region village areas that are struck in with poverty. All their plans are evil. Verse 9, he lurks in ambush like a lion in his thicket. He lurks that he may seize the poor. He seizes the poor when he draws him into his net. So after capturing them, it is only the beginning of the evil that they do. The captors will physically and mentally abuse them, and within the first 48 hours, they will be violated sexually. And most women and girls, they are violated in order to crush any hopes of holding on to their purity or innocence. Because for a lot of these Asian cultures, they know once that is gone, their strength for these young girls and women, they know their fight is gone. And soon afterwards, they're violated 8, 10, 20 times a day, every day for years, unless someone sets them free. But by that time, Many have AIDS or other STDs, and they also suffer from depression for many of them as they are rejected from their families, their home villages. And so as a result, the people are crushed. Let's look at verse 10. The helpless are crushed. They sink down and fall by his might. He says in his heart, God is forgotten. He has hidden his face. He will never see it. So the wicked live with no fear of God. They do not realize that we will all be held accountable before God for the lives that we have lived. And we will, we, as we all look at this horror, we should be frustrated. You should be upset. You should be angry right now. There should be some unsettling emotion in your hearts. But we need to first direct that towards God. Turn to the Lord and vent. Vent your frustration at the Lord. 
Next, after looking at the reality of the situation, our next step after that should be turn to the Lord after you vent and then ask. So everybody say, turn to the Lord and ask. Again, another form of prayer. These are all forms of prayer. The greatest action we can do is to pray to the Lord who can move mountains. God moves through prayer. Prayer is the greatest act of faith and warfare we can do each day. Verse 12, arise, O Lord, O God, lift up your hand, forget not the afflicted. So after the psalmist is venting, God, look at this. Where are you? These wicked think that they are prospering. What does he do next? After he vents, he is asking the Lord, move, arise, Lord, lift up your hand, forget not the afflicted. Asking God to arise is a call to action. Ask God to lift up his hand is to prepare an army for battle. You see, if you've ever watched like Braveheart or all these like war movies back in the day with horses and stuff, what they do is they look at the commander and what does the commander, he lift up his hand and they're waiting for his hand. And once he gives the signal with his hand, the army is released. And so what this prayer is saying, it is saying, God, release your army and unleash your power. That is how we are to pray against the enemy. Release your army, unleash your power and authority against the enemy. That is how we are to pray. So we pray that we ask the Lord to do that. Release your army. Verse 13 and 14. Why does the wicked renounce God and say in his heart, you will not call to account, but you see, you do see. God does say, for you know mischief and vexation that you may take it into your hands. To you, the helpless commits himself. You have been the helper of the fatherless. We turn to the Lord because he is the helper of the fatherless and he is a defender of the weak. God's heart is for the weak, the helpless, and the oppressed. So asking God to release his army in the new covenant, it means... It is praying for his church to rise up and to be the church to the weak, to the orphans, to the fatherless, to the prisoners. Verse 15, break the arm of the wicked and evildoer. Call his wickedness to account till you find none. He's saying destroy the arm, meaning the strength of the wicked until they have no more power. And so we must pray for this. We must pray for justice and freedom. We are to ask God to bring about freedom and and peace for the oppressed and dismantle the grip of the oppressors. And so one of the things our church has been doing is we have been praying for this. And there is an army in our ministry. We are praying for this every day. And I invite you to join us in these prayers to set the prisoners free daily. And so that is why we are not surprised when we start reading stories, because now we have so many people researching these stuff on a regular basis. We are not surprised when we hear stories that right when we started this movement, one of the stories that came out was in India, there is a raid that set 60 little girls free. We celebrate that because we know that that was not a coincidence. And we just finished a 40 day fast and prayer for the freedom of the, these people across the nation right at the end of our fast. IJM against that justice mission, they announced their biggest release, rescue mission, setting 522 captives free. That was not a coincidence. 
to have hundreds, if not thousands, of people praying and fasting for 40 days for their freedom, and then right afterwards to have the biggest rescue in their, their mission's history, that's not a coincidence. So I want you to join me and join us in praying, fasting for their freedom. Therefore, turn to the Lord and ask him to bring about justice and freedom for the prisoners. Amen? Next thing we must do to help stop this great injustice is turn to the Lord and expect. So everybody say, turn to the Lord and expect. Now, this is the faith element in our prayer. Verses 16 and 17. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from his land. Oh, Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed so that man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. You see, sometimes hearing these stats and stories, they can be discouraging, making us want to give up even before we start this battle. But... We never let our focus remain on the mountains, but on the God who created the mountains, the God who removes mountains, the God who is greater than the mountains. You need to understand that Jesus was not just talking about physical mountains. The mountain represents huge obstacles in your life, things that seem insurmountable. He is saying, when you have faith in Christ, and you are one of prayer, obstacles that seem like immovable suddenly are gone in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. That is the God we are praying to. So we fix our eyes on Jesus, the good king. Verse 16, it says, the Lord is king forever. So this king rules and reigns, and he's a good king. Amen? He is a good God who protects his people, provides for his people, and rules in justice. We must expect God to move and to act on behalf of those he loves. We must expect miracles to happen, and we must expect justice to be established. For God also gives in response to expectation and faith. So when we expect great things from our great God, our faith will be honored, and greater things will happen. And finally, in order for us to stop this hideous injustice and trafficking, we must turn to the Lord and act. So everybody say, turn to the Lord and act. Turn to the Lord and act. All right, so we do pray, we do vent, we do ask the Lord, we do expect, and then there are more practical things. And I do say more practical things because prayer is the most practical thing you could do. Prayer is the most tangible reality in order to see life change. And so we begin there. And that is why the first three components are all elements of prayer. We vent to God your frustrations, your angers, your emotion. Then after you get it out of your system, you ask the Lord to do great things and you expect him to do that in faith. And then another practical thing, there are some more actions to take after we do this. For the primary means of accomplishing justice on this earth until Christ returns is through his church. Isaiah 61, 8 says, for I, the Lord, love justice. But let's just say, what is justice? Our idea, if you've grown up in a comfortable Western or even Korean 
you know, middle class or even upper class society, we do not really understand justice. Now, we think if we get cut off when we're driving, that is an injustice, right? The way all Koreans do, right? When Koreans, they just love to, you know, cut in line in everything, right? We, we feel that is an injustice, right? Or when we're in the grocery store and, you know, you only, have, you only bought like one bottle of water and you're rushing to the, you know, you're late, you're rushing to the express lane, 10 items or less, and the person in front of you has 13 items. You know that because you counted. <laughs> and you're thinking, injustice! Not fair! I have one item and now I have to wait for it through this injustice. See, our idea of injustice is very shallow. But according to God, injustice is an abuse of power where the strong take from the weak and deny rights of life, liberty, and dignity. Injustice is when a police officer in Thailand who makes only $60 a month will ignore the badge on his uniform in order to take the bribe of the trafficker and turn the other way as this trafficker forces this young little girl into his car. That is an injustice. And God wants it to stop. God hates seeing the poor exploited, children abused, and women in prison. Again, but until Christ returns, we are God's plan for justice in the world. Micah chapter 6 verse 8. He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. And if you're like, hey, isn't that Old Covenant? That's Old Testament. Let's go to the New Testament. Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You tithe mint and dill and cumin, and you've neglected the weightier matters of the law. And the first thing Jesus says is justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. So how will the oppressed and the suffering see the goodness of God? Through his body, the church. Because we are to be his hands that will hold them, his arms that will love them, and his defense that will fight for them. How will these millions, tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of children, women, men who are right now being violated, right now locked up behind a small room door. They may not even be able to know the name of Jesus, but I assure you they are praying out loud at night. They're saying, God, if you are really there, God, if you exist, will you hear this cry? Will you see me and save me from this prison? You know what they're really longing for? They're longing to see Jesus Christ manifest through his body called the church to show up, set them free, hold them and let them know as they break down in your arms to let them know it is because of Jesus I have set you free. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. 
God is against injustice. So when we fight for justice, we are fighting for the things of God's heart. And therefore, God fights with us and for us. But we must act as the people of God on behalf of God. Edmund Burke once said, all that is necessary for the triumph of evil is that good men do nothing. And so we are to pray that the church will arise in this hour of injustice and take a stand. Because in the face of evil and injustice, bystanders are just as guilty as the perpetrators. You see, you are accountable now. If you didn't know this was happening today, there would have been an extra grace over you if you stood before God on judgment day. But now that you know, you're responsible to do something for it. Because... If I don't know what's going on behind me and there's somebody like dragging this little girl into that room, I mean, nobody can blame me. I didn't see it. But if I see what is happening and I literally do nothing, I see this man drag this little girl into that room and I did absolutely nothing. It doesn't mean that I, maybe he was bigger, he has a gun, whatever, but at least I must try to stop what is happening. Because if I do nothing, it is the exact same thing as if I were supporting it. Jesus' mission was to preach good news to the poor, bind up the brokenhearted, and to set the captives free. His mission is now our mission. And if we, the church, are not the preeminent leaders in the fight for justice and in the demonstrations of mercy to the weak, then we are allowing the world to look more like Jesus than we do. If we are not the preeminent leaders in this fight, we are letting these nonprofit Good Samaritan Mother Teresa organizations to look a lot more like Jesus than the church does. That, too, is an injustice. Amen? Amen. So we must ask God, and this is what we have been doing, to awaken the church out of our slumber and out of our apathy. And to take our rightful places in the front lines in the battle for freedom. You see, these horrific injustices must come to an end. And you need to understand that I bless, I love, and I partner with a lot of these great nonprofit organizations. But they do not have the ultimate cure and answer these victims need because the ultimate need of their hearts is not just physical freedom, a warm blanket, a new job, the ultimate freedom they need is the freedom that only the gospel can bring them. And only the church has the answer for that. So this is why I have been infused with this new drive for our ministry in the city and for the nations. Because for too long now, we have allowed these other people that are not even believers become the face of Jesus to these victims instead of the church. Because the ultimate problem, even for the traffickers, is something only the church can speak into because for them, the greed issue, the lust issue, the sexual immoral issue is something 
only the gospel can cure. That is why the church must take the lead. Yes, we partner with these other organizations. Yes, we partner with these other safe houses. But we, the church, who carry the baton of Jesus' mission to bring healing and to bring freedom, we must be the leaders in this. Because the ultimate problem is a sin problem. It is not a money problem. It is not a sexual immoral problem. The ultimate problem is a sin problem. And Jesus Christ came for that. Breakthroughs will happen only through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we are to fast. We are to pray and change the spiritual dynamics of our communities so that strongholds will be broken in Jesus' name. Prayer, fasting, and we've been going on prayer walks throughout the cities of streets of Seoul once a month for our ministry, and we have already begun seeing the change in spiritual dynamics of these communities and areas that we are prayer walking. And not as, it's not because of us. It is because of the power of God's presence that shows up when people pray and fast. You have the power of God in you. God is with you. The Spirit lives within you. And where you are is the presence of God. So just by you and your buddies prayer walking in these areas of darkness, you are bringing lights in these areas of darkness. That is power. Only the church of Jesus Christ has the answer to these problems. The answer is not education. The answer is not money. The answer to these problems is Jesus Christ, who could set men and women free from the bondage of sin, greed, lust, and immorality. We must be Christ to them. You know, uh, this past January, uh, our ministry, we did, for some of our short-term mission trips, we we have partnerships with other Christian faith-based organizations that are doing rescue projects and other restoration things um, for these women and children. Uh, I want to share with you a story about one lady that I met this past January. She's an elderly lady, uh, maybe in her 60s, 70s or so, uh, but she was so full of joy and laughter. Uh, The nickname that we gave her was Joy. I mean, she was so giddy like a little kid, always giggling with excitement, (laughs) like all the time. And what was really peculiar when I'm watching this dynamic is um, because there's this one ministry that we worked with, they uh, provide new jobs uh, and training, prayer, restoration for these women. And she's been there for a number of years. And she would play pranks on these other elderly women. And so you, I'm watching this like 60, 70-year-old giddy woman um, and one of her friends, similar age, and actually her friend looked older, um, she just stepped up to get like a cup of water and she's about to sit down back to work. And then I see joy creep up and she pulls the chair out from under. And so her, and so I, I did, I'm like, Oh my goodness. You know, to see this elderly lady, I was like joy. And she joys on the ground, rolling in laughter. And I'm like, that's funny, but that's dangerous. You know, she's really old, you know, she could break a ball. That's, you know, but joy's just laughing. You know, I'm like, I haven't seen that since elementary school. You know what I mean? Right? I mean, you don't really see people our age doing stuff like that anymore. So she's a grandmother, but she's acting like a little child. And then I found out her story. Um, And one of the guys were telling me, Eddie, do you know why she acts like such a little child? I was like, no. I was like, no. I was like, that's really what she's like. 
it is because she did not have a childhood. Her childhood was stolen from her. Because when she was little and all of her friends would go to play on the streets or go to school, she was being violated by men. Average about 10 times a day. For over a decade. So she was violated for decades. Let me just crunch a little bit of numbers. It's being violated almost 4,000 times a year. And then within that first decade of being imprisoned, she was violated over 40,000 times. That's over 40,000 nightmares. But now she is free. Christ is restoring her. God is restoring the years that the locust took away. She is able to laugh and joke now like a little child. Only Jesus Christ can bring that kind of healing and restoration. But his method to reach them is through you and me, through his body. Amen? See, history records and remembers those who fight for justice. History tells of men and women who have risen to the challenge. We still honor and remember the Harriet Tubman's freeing thousands of slaves through the Underground Railroad. You read about them in your classes. We remember and honor the William Wilberforces, the abolitionists who brought an end to the slave trade after a 46-year fight. History honors them for they defended the weak and fought for freedom. But what if it were happening today? What if we lived in the day of Harry Tubman or William Will? What if we lived in the same time period as them? What would you do? Would you stand by and do nothing? And say, all right, hope, hope you get them someday. Or will you join them in the fight? History records and remembers those who fight for freedom and justice. You know, something David Batstone, he's the author of the book Not For Sale, uh, that book really opened my eyes to a lot of things. And something that, that he wrote in that book awakened me to the situation like nothing else I've ever read on this issue. These were the words that awakened this sleeping soldier. He said this, There are times to read history, and there are times to make history. We live, it, we live right now at one of those epic moments in the fight for human freedom. We no longer have to wonder how we might respond to our moment of truth. It is we who are on the stage now. And we can change the winds of history with our actions. Future generations will look back to judge our choices and be either inspired or disappointed. You see, we have all been given liberty, knowledge, influence, wealth for such a time as this. There is a time to read history. There is a time to make history. Now is the time to make some history. Amen. Before we pray, I do want to let you know of a practical way you could do this. Uh, We've been partnering with Not For Sale. uh, And as I told you, I read the quote by him. my apologies, we couldn't, but we do have the, a lot of these books in our church. But if you do want to uh, buy one, 
Uh, you can sign up through Amy. Where's Amy? Amy, if you could lift your hand. Uh, you could uh, sign up through her. You could buy one of these books. Uh, if you do want to get a basic overview of what modern-day slavery and trafficking is like today, this is an excellent place for you to begin. Uh, I think it's fifteen or 20000 or something like that, and you could sign up with Amy. The other thing, too, that we did is we made these T-shirts. They're freedom T-shirts, and it's the word freedom with all these different countries. Uh, so no, more than just buying this as a fundraiser, whatever, uh, there's a story behind the shirt. Uh, the shirt company is called Free to Rock. This is a company that was started in Cambodia in order to provide new jobs and futures to women who were victims and survivors of this issue. Uh, the, and so uh, this shirt was made by these women uh, to give new futures to them. And so for, uh, for you to buy these shirts as well, you're also paving a new future for them as well. And so if you also want to buy these, you could also sign up through Amy. She can do that. And the last thing that I do want to announce is we're having um, a Backyard Academy. And what this is, this is a training uh, conference to equip you of how you can practically combat modern-day slavery. Um, and there's f- uh, four different tracks. Strategic investigation, how you could research. Uh, market supply chain for all you business people. Uh, active faith communities, obviously for faith-based people. And aftercare. After you, you do find victims, what can you do to properly care for them? So it's going to be June 23rd to 25th, Friday to uh, or Thursday to Saturday. We also are offering one-day passes if you can only make it for one day for a track. Uh, I went to one in San, San Francisco when I met the FBI and all these guys uh, a couple months ago. Excellent quality. This is high, high-quality material. It's the first time they will ever offer it outside of the United States. So it is a rare opportunity, and again, we don't know if they'll offer it again. This, they're testing the waters uh, because of the uh, momentum that's been happening in Korea for this. So if you'd like to sign up as well, I do have this I have sign-up sheets for. So if you would like to sign up, you could sign up, take it home, and also give it to Amy. Either give it to me today before you leave or give it to Amy afterwards. Uh, but there, again, there's some practical ways that you could also help and grow and learn in this area as well. All right, with that, let's pray. Two things, I know we don't have a time, but two things that I do want us to pray for. Number one is for God to awaken his church in this day and age. Let us pray that God will cause a new great awakening to happen in the church globally. We need to partner together like never before because I didn't have time to tell you, but dude, these traffickers are so well-networked down to the travel agents, to the taxi drivers who pick them up, to the some people even who are in the flight airline industries, to the hotels that they room, to the karaoke bars, to the nail salons that they're posing. I mean, these people are so well-networked. It's crazy. How much more must the church be networked? We got to let go of our pride. We got to let go of this selfish ambition and competing and looking at other churches as if they're competition. We need each other to bring down the strongholds together. Amen. So that's the first thing. Let us pray that God will awaken his church in this generation. And second thing that I'd like for us to pray for, let us pray right now, even in soul, that God will set the captives free. That if as these young women, children, and even some boys, men are praying and crying out. Somehow God will show up as he can do through a vision, through a dream, through an angel, whatever, and unlock those doors physically and spiritually. 
and set these captives free. These hundreds of millions of people who are needing the church to show up and do the mission of Jesus. Let's pray for that together, shall we? Let's pray for that. For an awakening and for freedom, let's pray for that. Come on, church. They're waiting for your prayers. Your prayers can move mountains. Your prayers can make a difference, even tonight. Chains can be released, even tonight. So let us cry out for that together.